This is the Casper and Chris podcast. From News Talk KBOI, Boise. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 57 degrees in downtown Boise as we get underway for uh, another Monday. The weekend's underway. Um, I think we got our last remnants of uh, hot days this past weekend when we were close to 90s. I was uh, looking ahead to the extended forecast uh, later this week, and I think Thursday is only supposed to be in the mid-60s. Those days will be longing for in January and February. Yeah. So weird uh, at beginning of the year uh, in spring and then in fall, when we get up to 67, we're like, man, it's hot out here today. In, in the fall, <laughs> you go out in 67. Burr, I need a Ooh, coat. It's cold. It's, cold. it's only 67. <laughs> uh, we're uh, almost through the uh, NFL weekend. Wow, what a crazy, crazy NFL weekend we saw Mm -hmm. this weekend. Uh, We saw one team have their biggest comeback in 99 years. New York Giants were down 20 to nothing at halftime. Right. Come back and win. And it wasn't even close. (laughs) I I think in the first half, Arizona forgot that they were playing for that first round (laughs) pick to try to pick up Caleb Williams out of the University of uh, Southern California. And then uh, at halftime, they went in, dude, you guys are playing so well. Um, you want to lose out on that first round pick? Yeah, gee whiz. This isn't going according to plan. Uh, and then they immediately went in according to plan. Of course, uh, Chris Walton and my team, we have two different teams. Mm-hmm. He, he roots for the uh, Washington Commanders. Whatever, whatever they're going to be called. They're, they're the Commanders now. Now, yeah. Um, for now. <laughs> I have to say, in watching that game, I go, this is the Russell Wilson I remember that waits until the last second yeah. to score the winning touchdown. Now, granted, the, the touchdown wasn't enough to win. He had to score the two-point conversion to take it to overtime, and then mm-hmm. the two-point conversion was not it's, good. It's, and I go, it's ah, funny. this is it's the Russell how, Wilson with Denver. Exactly. I was going to say, it's funny how in his uh, uh, most important games uh, that come down to a short pass at the end of the game, he doesn't complete it. It's it's recalling different. the Super Bowl of years ago. Yeah, um, it, it's a, but I mean, look at to get to that Super Bowl. Yeah, remember what he had to do to get to that mm-hmm. Super Bowl? Uh, throw that two point, score the touchdown, and throw the two point conversion. Um, which he did. Which he did, and this looked like an easier two point conversion than that. And then the uh, fortunately, they didn't call a molesting penalty on the. the uh, no, <laughs> the commander's defender. Um, and the Seattle uh, Seahawks got a win after yeah. looking horrible last Ooh. week. Looked really good. Uh, Geno Smith looked awesome. And just like your game, um, yeah. things were in hand with about six minutes left to go. Seattle right. was leading by 10 points, and the game went to overtime. That was a, a morning game. And uh, when the Seahawks won, I, I texted you just the word, whew. And you texted back, no kidding. And then a few hours later, when Washington just won by a hair, I, I wrote, whew, again. And you wrote, no kidding, again. <laughs> and uh, if that wasn't enough craziness, um, there are some people now that are calling for an investigation into the Rams game. Because the Rams kicked what turned out to be an absolutely meaningless field goal. Yeah. Unless, of course, you bet on the game. Oh, I see. 
So, and it, it, it is a little bit weird, I admit, because the Rams were behind by 10 points, and as time ran out, they kicked a field goal that means absolutely nothing, which you just don't see NFL teams doing. You either see them take a knee and go, we can't win, Did or they, they try to throw a was Hail it, Mary. No, no, was I didn't watch that game. Was it as time ran out, or yeah, was there enough they, time for a kickoff? No, they, oh, so, time, time ran out so they, as they kicked a field So they goal. couldn't have uh, had, yeah. had a miracle kickoff. See, I, yeah, and I, I get it. If there's time left, say there's a minute left, I get it, kick the field goal, because then we just need a, a touchdown to tie. You kick the field right. goal, try to get the onside field. No. Time ran out as they kicked the field goal, so there is no time left for any miracle and believe it or not uh the 49ers were favored by seven and a half (laughs) so that messed up a whole bunch of gamblers people are pissed and they're going why is he did he have money on the game which i don't think sean mcveigh had money on the game but it is it is a little weird that you know you kick a field goal and you're Mm -hmm. behind 10 points um as time runs out I don't know what's going to happen there, but you, you saw a lot of articles being printed about what is the reason for that kick. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, yeah, I, don't I mean, know. I mean, uh, if if you're down by ten and you've got you know time for one play, I'm going for a touchdown. Personally, yeah, yeah. It, it's like either that or you know you or can't just, win. You just take a knee so just, nobody gets hurt. Yeah, or just taking the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's usually what a lot of teams do. Um, and as crazy as the NFL was, NCAA. Football was absolutely nuts again this weekend. I'll tell you what, um, Boise State looked better. There are still, they've got improvements to make. Um, they easily beat North Dakota, um, but it didn't look easy there for the entire game, but they did pull away towards the end. Um, and I say it, they're going to need improvements. Um, they've got San Diego State on the road coming up this week, followed yeah. by Memphis on, on the road. The road. Uh, but the Mountain West, Wyoming, played Texas, and it was tied ten to ten in the fourth quarter. Right. And, te- and Texas is three and zero and ranked top Wyoming fifteen in the country. Really could have won that game. And Texas has beat what Alabama? Yeah. Um, also, keep in mind Wyoming has already beat Texas Tech this year. Um, so how good is Wyoming going to be when you play? You have Air Force that just absolutely throttled Utah State mm-hmm. this weekend. They look uh, pretty good. Uh, Fresno State beat a Power 5. They right. beat uh, what, Arizona State easily, by the way. That was an easy yeah, they just uh, win game. Them. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the crazy... Oh, and I forgot. Sacramento State upset Stanford. Yeah, first FCS win against a Power Five this year, um, and that game wasn't close either. Yeah, that was a weird one. Too. Yeah, and Idaho had uh, delusions of grandeur. They covered the spread, by the way. Um, they they played very well. They were ahead seventeen to nothing yeah. against Cal. The, the Vandals really had a chance to win that. Yeah, and kind of ran out of gas. And then, of course, I don't know how many people stayed up late, late, late. To watch Colorado State <laughs> take on Colorado, which, by the and way, Coach Prime, uh, Colorado was also a fifty-plus point favorite over mm-hmm. Colorado State. Colorado State led the entire game until the last couple of minutes of right. the fourth quarter, when Colorado was able to tie it and then win it in overtime. And 
I, I talked to so, a buddy. It's like, how can you have a game that close when you're, you're 50 plus point favorite? And I go, it's Colorado, Colorado State. You yeah. throw, out, throw out the records. Anything. It doesn't matter. They hate each other with a passion. Anything in rivalry games can happen. And uh, Deion Sanders is 3 and 0 now. Yes, he is. And his, his son looks really good. Yeah. His son is the quarterback. Looks yeah, really, really good. And he's the one that well, uh, and, led them back. Uh, what is his other son uh, didn't picked off like had, had a pick six right? Uh, yeah, I believe, I believe you're yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, that's just some of the craziness that went on this weekend. Coming up this morning, it is Bronco Monday, so we'll talk about uh, the Boise State latest game. Don't forget, there is a play of the game. There's quite a few you can pick from, um, but if you listened in after the game, you know what the play of the game was. Treasure Valley Subaru play of the game, and coming up just before 9 o'clock, we'll be looking for that winner this morning. We've got a $50 gift certificate for free food from Quinn's we'll be giving away. Uh, That's coming up. Also, we've got... Two chances for you to win from Quinn's. Uh, we also have the $50 gift certificate to Quinn's for our Casper and Chris. Damn near impossible question. That's all coming up here this, today. Our phone lines are open, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You can also email us, chris at kboi.com and mike at kboi.com. Lots of sports actions to go over this morning. Uh, chris here to uh, give it to you. It's brought to you by our good friends at the Pork Belly and Cuna, already there, making their deliciousness from scratch. They'll open up here in 45 minutes. Get in for breakfast today. Boise State had a home-and-home football series with the University of Houston scheduled for 2024 and 2025. It has been on the schedule since 2017, but the schools announced Friday the 2024 game set to be played in Boise has been tabled and will not happen next season. As of now, the 2025 game scheduled for Houston is still planned. Boise State Athletic Director Jeremiah Dickey says the Broncos are committed to scheduling a future game with the Cougars at Albertson Stadium. It just won't happen in 2024. Some exciting games, as we mentioned in the NFL yesterday. Seattle beat the Lions 37-31 on a six-yard Geno Smith touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett. It was the second time the two hooked up for a touchdown in the game. Smith completed 32 of 41 passes for 328 yards. For Detroit, Jared Goff threw for 323 yards and three touchdowns in the loss. The Seahawks play next on Sunday afternoon at home against Carolina. In other close games Sunday, Baltimore top Cincinnati 27-24. The Falcons got by the Packers 25-24. Tennessee beat the Chargers in overtime 27-24. The Giants scored 17 points in the fourth quarter to top Arizona 31-28. The 49ers beat the Rams 30-23. Miami beat the Patriots 24-17. And in Denver, the Broncos pulled to within two points of Washington at 35-33 on a twice-tipped Hail Mary touchdown pass by Russell Wilson, but lost on an incomplete two-point conversion pass knocked away by a commander's defender. There are two NFL games tonight, but not a doubleheader. The games will overlap. The Saints kick off against the Panthers at 5.15. That's on ESPN. And the Browns play the Steelers at 6.15 on ABC. That's sports. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 623, he's Chris Walton, I'm Mike Casper. Thanks for listening in for your Monday morning. Uh, 57 degrees now in downtown Boise. Phone lines open as usual, 1-800-529-5264. That's toll-free. From wherever you might be listening, 208-336-3700. That's our main number. And also, if you want to text us, 
You can also email Chris at KBOI.com and Mike at KBOI.com. One of the highlights of the uh, weekend didn't uh, come on an NFL play. It happened uh, to be something an NFL referee said that was absolutely hilarious. This came during the Seattle Seahawks-Detroit Lions game uh, after a penalty was called. And uh, quarterback for Seattle, Geno Smith, was uh, complaining about the call while the referee was trying to give the details. Take a listen. Intentional grounding. Offense number seven. It's a 10-yard penalty. I'm talking to America here. Excuse me. Ten-yard penalty and a loss of down. Second down. That is the best line I've ever heard, Adam Fisher. I'm talking to America here. Yeah, uh, excuse me. I'm talking to America here. Uh, what you're saying is it does very little meaning while I'm talking to America. <laughs> uh, that is so awesome. Excuse me. I'm talking to America. <laughs> That's like, do you mind? <laughs> uh, for those of you who are trying to become the next multimillionaire, you got another chance at it coming up tomorrow night. No winner on Saturday for the Powerball. That means the next power ball drawing coming up tomorrow night will be worth somewhere in the neighborhood of seven hundred and twenty million dollars, almost a quarter of a billion dollars. That's enough to throw a party with, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and maybe invite people you don't even like, <laughs> uh, which is a lot of people. Yeah, um, Saturday's drawing uh, ended up officially being five uh, six hundred and ninety-seven mm. million dollars. Uh, was the official? Uh, it's irrelevant because nobody gets nobody, it. Nobody got it. Did have uh, a few million dollar winners, which means they got five right. And you know, hey, I hope your life's going to be better because it's you and not me. But uh, you know, whatever. Of course, I, I can't. I, I can't win because I didn't. Play. I I would like <laughs> at, at some point. I would I, I would love the opportunity to ruin my life with a million dollar win. Uh, yeah, just a million dollars. Just to see if you know, just well, to see if it w- really would ruin keep my it, life. Keep in mind, Chris, a million dollars wouldn't really be a million dollars because almost half of it would go to taxes immediately. Uh, yeah. And now, now you have to try to ruin your life with half a million dollars. And I probably could do that too. Think you, you could know? do that? Two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred. I want to test myself in, in that way. <laughs> Pound six seventy on your Verizon wireless. Don't forget, it's Monday <laughs> after game uh, after a game, and that means Bob Beeler will be with us for Bronco Monday. Also during with, Bronco Monday, with Keep a it, smile. With, yeah. For the first time this year. Uh, keep in mind, uh, during Bronco Monday, during that last break, we'll be looking for you to give us the play of the game. So if you listened into the post game, you know what that play was. And then coming up this morning, we've got a $50 gift certificate from Quinn's if you know that play of the game. Don't forget uh, another game coming up this week, Friday night game. First game in the Mountain West, Boise State takes on San Diego State, who is coming off a loss against Oregon State this past weekend. Um, this is going to be a late game. Everything gets underway mm. late Friday afternoon. Nate will be happy this time. He, he gets to take his show off because Bronco game day yeah, with Richie Bronco and Jay Bates starts at 3.30. Prater and the ball game, who do the post-game show, will be up until about 1 or 2 in the morning. Yeah, that'll be late for them. Um, kickoff for the game, 8.30. This coming Friday. And once again, you'll be able to listen live here on KBOI.com, the KBOI app, Alexa, Google Play, 93.1, all across our network. But once again, the uh, pregame gets underway. 3.30, kickoff, 8.30, coming up this Friday on News Talk KBOI. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 
if you want to get through this morning. It's kind of a cool story. Downtown Boise Foundation has announced uh, plans to bring a winter skate rink to the Grove Plaza for the holiday season. Hoping to do it beginning this year. Project is called Glide on the Grove. Expected to cost only $450,000 in the first year to construct and develop the rink. And the uh, foundation is uh, still short about $150,000. Funds raised would also go towards keeping the rink free to use for everybody, and that would include skate rentals. Now, the rink wouldn't be an actual ice rink. It would be made of a synthetic ice-like material Hmm. that won't be temperature-dependent so that it could remain open even during warmer weather days where, you know, you need below 32 degrees to keep an ice rink open. Uh, and it has an expected lifespan of about 10 years. Interesting. Yeah. So they're hoping to do this this year. It's expected to cover approximately 75 square uh, foot space, which yeah. doesn't it's seem an, that big. It's, it's an outdoor rink? Yeah. Uh, that will be set up That's... around the city's holiday tree. So the tree will be in the middle. Ice rink will be around the outs- outside of the tree. When I was a kid, we used to go up to... Uh... I lived in Twin Falls, and we didn't have a skating rink in Twin Falls, uh, ice skating anyway. So uh, we would go up uh, at Christmas time usually and uh, ice skate in Sun Valley, and that was always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Caldwell, by the way, if you've ever been to Caldwell in the uh, Indian Creek ice rink that opens up about the same time, right around Thanksgiving, and it remains open um, through uh, first part of March, I believe, or end of February uh, every year. That place is absolutely Packed and so much fun. Um, they have kind of a skating rim, ri- uh, ribbon, is what they call it. Yeah. So um, it isn't, you know, completely open throughout the middle. You skate skate around. It is actually made of ice, um, and they have um, the whole system to make and keep the ice cold, even if the temperature, say, is you know above above freezing during the day. Um, the Grove Plaza's ice rink uh, scheduled to be open from Thanksgiving weekend through the last Sunday in January of 2024, and they said that once the materials are required or acquired uh, and the rink is built, they expect to require marginal operation costs in the future so that they'll be able to bring it back every year for uh, a lot less money than it would take to get to that first year. So they're trying to reach out to businesses uh, and other people, organizations, um, to try and uh, get that final $150,000 together here over the next couple of months so that they can get that uh, going. That would be kind of cool. I think there would be a lot of people, especially yeah. the fact that it's free. There would be a lot of people. More power to them. Yeah, that would take advantage of that, even with it not being real ice on the ice rink. I think that they have the same thing at the uh, Village at Meridian on that ice rink. I, I believe that also is uh, mm-hmm. synthetic ice. It's not real ice at that ice rink either. Um, and they get quite a few people that uh, end up doing there, but that's a really small ice rink there. KBY News Time, 645. Time for another check on what's going on uh, with sports once again this morning with Chris. Brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna, homemade sausage gravy made daily in house smoked pork belly and pulled pork, homemade Marionberry cream cheese, fresh shredded hash browns every day, handmade sausage pot, sausage patties. Those are just some of the things you're going to find for breakfast if you go into Pork Belly every day, made from scratch with love at Pork Belly. They open up in 15 minutes. The Boise State men's tennis team opened its season over the weekend at the Dar Walters Invite, held at the Appleton Tennis Center on campus. 
True freshman Kyvan Reekirk led the Broncos, going 4-0 in singles and 2-2 in doubles, paired with sophomore Idris Haddish. True freshman Liam Toroman was 3-1 in singles and 2-2 in doubles with senior Teague Berger. Teams participating in the tournament were Boise State, Idaho State, George Fox, Weber State, Idaho, and Utah State. The Broncos will next compete in the Intercollegiate Tennis Association Bedford Cup in the Mountains. That'll be this Friday through Sunday in Colorado Springs. It's hosted by Air Force. Shohei Otani has not played for the Los Angeles Angels since September 6th, and the team announced over the weekend that he will not play at all the rest of the season because of an oblique side muscle injury requiring surgery. Otani finishes with 44 home runs and a 304 average as a hitter and a record of 10-5 and as a pitcher. His time with the Angels may be over. Otani will be a free agent at the close of the season and says he wants to sign with a contending team. The Angels are not. Also, for the Angels, third baseman Anthony Rendon, who has been listed with a bone bruise since July 6th, revealed in an interview that he actually has a fractured tibia, which is the shin bone. Sunday, the Orioles beat Tampa Bay 5-4 in 11 innings. Both teams clinched playoff spots. So far, they are the only American League teams to do so. In the National League, the Braves and Dodgers are the only teams confirmed for the playoffs. Both have clinched their respective divisions. The Dodgers on Sunday beat Seattle and Logan Gilbert 6-1. Atlanta lost to Miami 16-2. That's sports. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 707, it's 56 degrees in downtown Boise. Uh, looking at our Dow futures in the stock market this morning, uh, across the board, uh, we're in the red. Not by much, though. Dow's down 12. NASDAQ is uh, down about 30 points. The uh, official opening on the way, of course, coming up here at 7.30. On the way in about 15, 20 minutes or so, we'll be talking with Jeremiah Bates about what we'll be uh, looking forward to this week. Uh, I know we get to hear from the Fed chairman. We'll see whether or not later this week if uh, interest rates are going to be going up once again or if they will uh, take a pause. We'll talk with Jeremiah coming up here once again a little bit later on this half hour. Um, I have just uh, officially moved uh, a step closer to uh, being able to be in the uh, United States Senate. Chris, you too. What, by having a birthday, getting older? No. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has officially killed the dress code (laughs) that requires legislatures to wear professional attire on the Senate floor after Senator John Fetterman was slammed for wearing a hoodie Jim Shorts and tennis shoes. Schumer has quietly directed the Senate Sergeant at Arms to stop enforcing the dress code that mandates that uh, male senators wear a jacket and a tie and female senators a dress or other business wear on mm-hmm. the floor. Obviously, a pantsuit is okay. Mm-hmm. Well, now you can wear gym shorts if you want or sweatpants. I don't, I don't know that I like that very much. I mean, I, I kind of... It seems weird, doesn't appre- it? Appreciate the decorum. Yeah. Change in policy comes after Fetterman uh, was bashed for donning a hoodie, gym shorts, and sneakers into the chamber. Many called his casual fashion choices disrespectful. There is, by the way, up until this point, as you as you may have surmised, up until this point, there was a dress code, and it's a mm-hmm. long-standing dress code 
Fetterman, who hates suits, previously got around the dress code rule by voting from the doorway of the Democratic cloakroom or one of the side entrances so not to even the going in. Yeah, because he wasn't allowed to be there because he wasn't dressed correctly. Wouldn't it have been easier just to put on a jacket and tie? Uh, you would think, but apparently that's how much he hates a jacket and tie. Senators are able to now choose what they wear on the Senate floor. According to a statement by uh, Schumer, he said, I will continue to wear a suit, but senators can choose to wear whatever they want. <laughs> Which means on on game days, they can wear uniforms of their favorite teams. <laughs> well, you, basically, you could. That'd be right? fun. Um, the policy change, by the way, goes into effect this week. Uh, however, this is kind of the interesting part. It only applies to senators. Not congressmen. Staff members who will still mm. be required to wear professional work-appropriate clothes, suits, pantsuits, dresses. Um, the uh, staff workers will not be allowed to you know, dress so, the same way senators the do. The pages will still look dapper. Yeah. <laughs> How crazy is that? So, hey, maybe Fetterman has more power than we think that he has. Look, at he's already got the dress code changed. Nah. See, I, I don't, I don't like that. I, I just think that, I mean, it, it is a, it is a solemn place. It is an important place, and it, it's a place where you do observe decorum. I, I'm, or you should, I think. Even I'm one of the. I mean, I'm one of those people. It's like if you could you imagine having to be dressed up every day for us coming to work wearing a suit and tie. Well, if we had to, I would. Yeah. Um, so same, would you. Same here. Um, but I, I just. I'm with you. I was like, really? What is, what's the? It's, it, it's just going to be interesting to watch if anybody follows along with Fetterman and go, "Wow, yeah. I don't have to be, you know, dressed up nicely." I suppose in the long run, it really doesn't matter. It's what they do and what they say that matters, not what they wear. But I still, I I prefer the decorum. It'll be it'll be interesting to watch this because. If we go along, and as time goes on, you see more and more, for lack of a better term, sloppily dressed. See, I don't see like Jim. Lawmakers. I don't see like Jim Rish showing up in a jogging no, suit. No, uh, I don't either. But as you start to see younger and younger people, I wonder, you know, what the what the dresses, you know, yeah. women showing up in uh, Lululemon, what are those uh, really tight, stretchy? Like yoga pants? Or yoga whatever? pants. Yeah, yoga yeah. pants. That's the term I was looking for. Are they going to have to react? Okay. Okay. Gym shorts and a hoodie is okay. <laughs> Showing up in yoga pants, not so much. <laughs> It'll be an individual dress code for each person. Okay, you don't look good in that, so go put yeah. something else on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wearing, wearing yoga pants is a privilege, not a right. <laughs> uh, according to a new CBS Which, poll... That, that doesn't work in regular life either. So. <laughs> no. According to a new CBS poll released yesterday, um, it's now up to 72% of Americans who believe President Joe Biden is not physically healthy enough to be president for four more years. Poll showed that Biden is uh, now losing to former President Donald Trump by one point which is still within the 2.1% margin of error. So statistically, in a head-to-head battle, they are still basically tied. Mm. 
When asked who is physically healthy enough to be president, 43% of voters in the poll said only Donald Trump, while 29% of recipients said neither. Only 16% agreed that only Biden was competent enough to serve. Competent? Competent enough to serve. Mentally and physically competent enough to serve. Now, this is just mental and physically able to serve. Uh, Despite facing four criminal indictments in four different jurisdictions, Trump's polling has increased over Biden in the last few months. According to the Real Clear Politics poll, which is a national average of all the polls, Trump has a slight lead over Biden at uh, 0.6%. 72%. This is both Republicans and Democratic voters, probable voters, don't think. That Even though there's only what we what call it, a supermajority, isn't it? Isn't it weird though that there's only what a two-year age difference? Three, that, I think. Is it yeah. three-year age yeah. difference? Seventy-seven and eighty between between the two of them. Yet seventy-two percent. So it has to be with not necessarily the age, mm-hmm. but it's got to be how they act. It, and, it, and it's funny because I mean, uh, the president still goes biking, and and does exercise and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Falls down once in a while, but and I, I told you a few weeks ago, I, I am shocked that uh, Biden's PR machine hasn't done more of that, put out pictures of him biking, uh, except for the fact that some of the times when he's biking, his bike, he falls over. Um, you know what? That is the picture. Um, but I mean, he is. You're, you're right. He's, yeah. he's fairly. I, I'm just we used to get pictures of George W. Bush uh, mountain biking all the time. You remember when he came to Tamarack on vacation and crashed? I don't know where he slept. No, he crashed his bike, remember? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, he crashed his bike at Tamarack. Mm. Um, KBOI Newstime, 715. We'll take a uh, break for sports here. It's brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna, the place to go. They're open. Don't forget, not only open for breakfast, but if you need to get your coffee fix, you can get into the drive-thru and not even have to get out of your car. Opens the same day as the restaurant every day, 7 a.m., Pork Belly in downtown Cuna. Boise State had a home-and-home football series with the University of Houston scheduled for 2024 and 2025. It has been on the schedule since 2017, but the schools announced Friday the 2024 game set to be played in Boise has been tabled and will not happen next season. As of now, the 2025 game scheduled for Houston is still planned. Boise State Athletic Director Jeremiah Dickey says the Broncos are committed to scheduling a future game with the Cougars at Albertson Stadium. It just won't happen in 2024. Some exciting games in the NFL yesterday. Seattle beat the Lions 37-31 on a six-yard Geno Smith touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett. It was the second time the two hooked up for a touchdown in the game. Smith completed 32 of 41 passes for 328 yards. For Detroit, Jared Goff threw for 323 yards and three touchdowns in the loss. The Seahawks play next on Sunday afternoon at home against Carolina. In other close games Sunday, Baltimore topped Cincinnati 27-24. The Falcons got by the Packers 25-24. Tennessee beat the Chargers in overtime 27-24. The Giants scored 17 points in the fourth quarter to top Arizona 31-28. The 49ers beat the Rams 30-23. Miami beat the the Patriots 24-17. And in Denver, the Broncos pulled to within two points of Washington at 35-33 on a twice-tipped Hail Mary touchdown pass by Russell Wilson, but lost on an incomplete two-point conversion pass knocked away by a commander's defender. 
There are two NFL games tonight, but not a doubleheader. The games will overlap. The Saints kick off against the Panthers at 5.15 on ESPN, and the Browns play the Steelers at 6.15 on ABC. That's sports. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. Nearly 13,000 are on picket lines in three states. The United Auto Workers Union says it met with General Motors yesterday and had reasonably productive conversations with Ford this weekend. And Stellantis, Chrysler's parent company, says it raised its offer to a nearly 21% raise in hourly wages. But still, no deal. Day number four of the uh, strike. Jeremiah Bates is with us uh, this morning. And on Friday, we had talked about hey, you um, giving us details because they, they said this could cause, uh, if this goes on, as much as a $5 million a day uh, hit to the economy. How does it affect you, me, and our listeners out there if this strike continues? Yeah, well, I mean, as someone who has been uh, actively looking for uh, for a new vehicle purchase, not necessarily new, but new to our household, I've been watching this used and new car market pretty closely for the last few months. And listen, we're coming off of the the pandemic issue where we saw a tremendous jump in used car and new car prices. And these past few months, we were finally starting to see that crunch abate, meaning we were starting to see these dealerships, these manufacturers actually build up inventory, and now we're hit with this UAW strike. And this really comes down to how long it lasts. If it's a protracted strike, then largely what we're going to see is prices going up. Now, historically, the actual retail prices from manufacturers don't necessarily rise during strikes like this. However, if we're the consumers buying from a dealership, it's not the case. We're likely going to see an increase in price because dealers will likely offer fewer incentives and are likely going to charge above sticker price. Now, if we look at that, it, the three major players here, Ford, GM, and Stellantis, we just got to look at inventory right now. And Stellantis, by far, they have the most days worth of unsold inventory, so they can likely weather the storm a little bit longer. But Ford and GM, they're just not in a pretty picture. And if you're looking at... If you're looking at new car prices right now that have already surged 34% during the pandemic and have already reached a high of about $51,000, we're likely going to see a higher sticker price. And you look that in line of, of the higher interest rates that are already, that we're already seeing. Yeah. Buying, buying a new car is going to be a bit rough. But if you go back to 2019, this is the last big UAW strike. It was against GM. It lasted 40 days. So now if we're looking at the company in and of itself, potential revenue loss, that strike estimated to cost GM about $4 billion. <laughs> Four billion. So again, for these companies, if it's a prolonged uh, strike, you're going to see some revenue loss. You're going to see a bit of a loss from GM, Ford, and Stellantis. But again, if we go back to 2019, we're already looking about a, a pretty oversupply, over supplementation of inventory. So this this time could be different, and we're likely to going to see a. If, this, if we see every single union member on strike, that's certainly going to trickle down through these major economic reports as far as the the unemployment, the unemployment reports, retail sales. I mean, this could have a bit of a trickle down effect. But bottom line is 
how long will it last? So we're likely going to see used car models and popular car models on the on the newer side jump up in price. You could see shops taking a, a lot longer to get the necessary manufactured supplies of parts. So yeah, d- depending on how long this lasts, this could have a trickle-down effect across the board. All right. Um, and then uh, later this week, just looking ahead to other things we'll be talking about, uh, we get uh, release from the uh, Fed, hear from the Fed whether we're going to raise interest rates, correct? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the UAW strike, you look at a potential looming um, government standoff again, uh, funding the government, I I think it's unlikely that the Federal Reserve is going to push a button to raise interest rates. I think their tone will be muted, but that that meeting's on Wednesday, and investors are certainly going to be waiting to hear what those comments are. Sounds good. We'll keep uh, an update looking like we're going to be opening up just a little bit to the good side on the Dow, uh, NASDAQ, and Standard & Poor down as of right now for the futures. We'll get a couple more updates throughout the day. Talk to you again tomorrow morning. Thanks, gents. Get 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 741-208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Uh, Once again, this morning we were talking about how... uh, Chuck Schumer quietly changed dress code in the uh, U.S. Senate to allow senators pretty much wear anything they want. No more required suit and ties for men, business clothes, skirts, or pantsuits for women, all because of uh, John Fetterman refusing to wear a suit and tie. I wonder how this would have worked had it been a Republican senator who uh, showed up in Hoodies, gym shorts, and tennis shoes. I can't even imagine a Republican senator doing that. Yeah, there's a good point, too. Wayne writes in, Senate dress code, I'm sure that many will disagree with this. However, decades of experience have taught me that how we dress affects how we feel about ourselves and how others treat us. Fetterman's uh, childish behavior just shows that he is self-centered and that he's willing to play, not willing to play by the rules. Maybe it's a fair question to ask what other rules he thinks are beneath him. How yeah. we dress and act affects ourselves and others. Schumer has shown poor leadership in not maintaining standards. It, I, I understand that. If, if you are dressed formally, you tend to act more formally. Just mm-hmm. you, know, you, you tend to live up to the image that you've created. Uh, you know, the visual image. Don't you think you get a little more, little more respect, too, don't you? Maybe a little. That You know, if you're dressed nicely, you get a little more respect, you, you, in my opinion. You command a little more, I think. Yeah. Uh, Bob in Boise, good morning. You're on Newstock KBOI. Hey, happy Monday to all the 670 crew. Um, hey, I just want to chime in real quick on this uh, sweats, uh, gym shorts, whatever. Um if I showed up to my heart doctor and we're getting ready for surgery and he's in his flip-flops and tennis, <laughs> just had a tennis game short, or, or, or approach a judge for, let's say, speeding ticket, whatever, and I'm in that attire, that is not going to fly with, with these folks. Now, with a doctor, and we, with, with a doctor, well, I mean, sorry, I was going to say, well, with a doctor, if you a, show up, and the doctor is uh, dressed in, like, flip-flops and shorts, you would have to think to yourself, wow, to keep his job, this guy must be a really good doctor. <laughs> well, that, that's just a little bit of metaphor on that. I'm just thinking, you know, I've been to court. Remember, my name is Bob. And um, 
And if I showed up in any type of attire that Chuck Schumer speaking of, I got a feeling that judge might be a uh, contestant court, pay this fine, come back, set your court date, new date, blah, blah, blah. It's about respect. We pay these officials hard tax dollars. Um, I don't mind, like, wearing nice slacks, tennis shoes, and so forth. But come on, folks, you got to draw the line somewhere on on our paid officials attire. Just just the lack of performance that I would see not to be judgmental, but to yeah. see that, my instant reaction would be, Who, who's this clown? What, what, what do we got going on here? Yeah. Thank you for the call, Bob. Appreciate it. Um, it, that's another thing he did bring up. You, you know, you go to court. Your first thing your lawyer tells you if you're going to be showing up for a court date, especially mm-hmm. in front of a jury, is, you know, here, make sure you're wearing a tie, a suit and tie, because you <laughs> know you want to respect. Oh, you were serious about that? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is interesting to uh, see, you know, especially with everything going on. You know, is it that big a deal? I don't know, but it, it just it's kind of an interesting thing that. Hey, I refuse to do it. And it's like, all right, fine. I, we'll change the dress I, code for everybody. I just feel like it's not too much to ask. Yeah. Uh, like I said, we'll see how long this lasts. Uh, if we get one person to show up the first time wearing yoga pants, we'll see if this will continue. <laughs> That's not who it is. Get a final check on what's going on uh, with sports this morning uh, with Chris. Brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. Every day, breakfast and lunch. Yes, delicious. Yes, uh, lots of it. Yes, get in. They're open 7 a.m. to 2 p.m., seven days a week, Pork Belly and Cuna. The Boise State men's tennis team opened its season over the weekend at the Dar Walters Invite held at the Appleton Tennis Center on campus. True freshman Kyvan Reetkirk led the Broncos going 4-0 and in singles and 2-2 two and two in doubles, paired with sophomore Idris Haddish. True freshman Liam Toroman was 3-1 and in singles and 2-2 two and two in doubles with senior Teague Berger. Teams participating in the tournament were Boise State, Idaho State, George Fox, Weber State, Idaho, and Utah State. The Broncos will next compete in the Intercollegiate Tennis Association Bedford Cup in the Mountains. That's this Friday through Sunday in Colorado Springs, hosted by Air Force. Shohei Otani has not played for the Los Angeles Angels since September 6th, and the team announced over the weekend that he will not play at all the rest of the season because of an oblique side muscle injury requiring surgery. Otani finishes with 44 home runs and a 304 average as a hitter and a record of 10-5 and as a pitcher. His time with the Angels may be over, in fact. Otani will be a free agent at the close of the season and says he wants to sign with a contending team. Also for the Angels, third baseman Anthony Rendon, who has been listed with a bone bruise since July 6th, revealed in an interview that he actually has a fractured tibia, which is the shin bone. Sunday, the Orioles beat Tampa Bay 5-4 in 11 innings. Both teams clinched playoff spots. So far, they are the only American League teams to do so. In the National League, the Braves and Dodgers are the only teams confirmed for the playoffs. Both have clinched their respective divisions. The Dodgers on Sunday beat Seattle and Logan Gilbert 6-1. Atlanta lost to Miami 16-2. That's sports. And Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. National Cheeseburger Day today. Yeah. I bring that up uh, because uh, today's the day where you can get um, 
some different places offering nearly free cheeseburgers. McDonald's offering double cheeseburgers today for only 50 cents. Uh, there is one thing, though. You have to buy it through the app. So you can't just come up yeah. to the drive-up window and say, I want your $50 to, or 50 cent cheeseburger. You have to order it through the McDonald's app, mm-hmm. and it's one per customer. Burger King deals for the next three days. Uh, reward members get a free cheeseburger with any purchase today. Tomorrow, free Whopper, Whopper Jr. And on Wednesday, Whoppers cost uh, $3. Nice. Wendy's through Friday, Junior Bacon Cheeseburgers cost one penny with any online purchase. Oh, online. Got a online Boy, they're really purchase. pushing the online Aren't, aren't they? Um, Dairy Queen. There's a place to go. Mm-hmm. Free cheeseburger with any order of $1 or more. Really? Then, then your cheeseburger so is you free. Get like an ice cream cone and a free cheeseburger. There you go. I think I'll do that. Yeah. Those are just some of the locations uh, today that uh, you can get nearly free cheeseburgers going on. Uh, once again, for National Cheeseburger Day. Paul in Nampa, listening on 670 AM. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBY. Good morning, guys. Hey, I wanted to mention to you that uh, in case you hadn't heard the news. Hey, hey, uh, hey, hey, hey Paul, do us a favor. Get out of the bathroom. <laughs> I'm in the hall, but okay. Yeah, you, we uh, can't understand you because you got too much echo going on. Echo? Is that better? Uh, not really. Well, I'm in the hallway still. Well, okay. we'll, we'll put you on hold. To see if you can work it out, and then we'll uh, try and come back to you in a little bit. Sucks. You wait that long to be on hold, mm-hmm. and you call us from an auditorium or a hallway. Maybe he's on speakerphone. I don't know. Just makes it kind of difficult. Or the, the bottom of a large keg <laughs> of some sort. On Friday, didn't get a chance to talk about this on Friday. Um, how do you feel about all of a sudden it seems like Kevin McCarthy has found his cojones? Uh, it's, it's kind of up and down. I, I mean, you know, he, he basically cussed out everybody that said, you know, cause Matt Gates was saying, okay, you're, you're not living up to what we agreed to when you became the speaker of the house. Remember it took like 15 votes mm-hmm. and they finally, he finally said, okay, if, if you make me speaker, I'll do this, this, and this. And, uh, Matt Gates said, you're not living up to it. And he said, well, if you want to file, file. Well, that's not exactly what he Something, said. Well, yeah, I, I know. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to repeat it word for word because I want to keep my you, job. You want to? <laughs> if you want to file a motion to vacate, then file that effing motion. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there was a meeting that went on last Friday morning where um, membership was screaming at each other, and finally McCarthy had just had it and just said. File a motion. Get me out of it if you don't like it. Yeah. I think at this point he may be going, you know, maybe it wasn't worth it to <laughs> try and become a uh, speaker for all the crap that I have to take. But uh, I'm glad to f- see he's finally, you know, backing himself up and I saying, will, hey, well, if you want me out of here, then file a motion and get me out of here. Or he's, he's simply acquiescing just noisily. Yeah. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Uh, those are the numbers to get through if you want to take part in the show. Don't forget, it is Bronco Monday. Bob Beeler will be with us coming up. We'll be talking about the first win of the year. First time it's taken this long for Boise State to get a win uh, by this point in the year since 2005. Beat North Dakota. Did a good job. Defense uh, looked pretty darn good in uh, that particular game. Um, I say that because... 
up until that point, I yeah. think North Dakota had been averaging well, about a, 545 yards per game. They were a juggernaut, and, and they just couldn't put it together against nope. Boise State, so yep. that's good. Bob will be with us. Don't forget, we'll give away a $50 gift certificate, Treasure Valley Subaru play of the game. If you know what that is, stick around about an hour from now. You will have a chance to win that $50 gift certificate. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 807.58 degrees in downtown Boise. I see when I get home today, I'm going to have to unplug a battery in my garage. Which one? It's charging my uh, blower. The five garage fires started there in the news that you heard about yeah. Meridian within the last month, all started by ion batteries that people left chargers so, plugged in overnight, left chargers plugged in while they weren't there. You'll have to keep your ion batteries. Well, I can keep it. I just have to unplug it because apparently it's been starting a lot of fires mm-hmm. in the Meridian area. And I... Quite frankly, I leave my battery plugged in all the time. Apparently, that's not a good thing. I guess. Wanted to talk a little bit about batteries also this morning. Uh, Republican Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa recently ridiculed Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm and the electric vehicle PR road trip she recently took. Uh, Ridiculed her at a press conference last week. Granholm had embarked on the PR trip to promote electric vehicles. And the jobs that create selling as a selling point of the overall Bidenomics uh, agenda. However, her trip faced several challenges related to electric vehicle charging, including one which ended up getting the police called. Take a listen. Okay, folks, you can't make this stuff up. Okay, just recently, Secretary of Energy Granholm went out on a four day road trip in her electric vehicle to draw attention to the billions of dollars that the Greenies in the White House are pouring into their electric vehicle fantasy. So let's talk a little bit about this road trip. The predictable problem that they had on the road trip, there were not enough EV chargers. Okay, so Again, you can't make this stuff up. So what did Granholm's staff do? They got in their gas-powered car and they sped ahead to get in line to save spots with their gas-powered vehicle at those electric chargers. And it was so bad in one location because the gas-powered car was blocking all of the other electric vehicles that had to charge. It was a really hot day. A family actually called the police on them. They had a baby in their car that was crying, again, really hot day. And here's a gas-powered car, Granholm staff trying to save them a spot so they could just slip in line and get their EV charged. Okay, so folks, if the Biden administration can't make it from Charlotte to Memphis without an incident, then how do we expect that all of our non-tactical military fleet 
is going to get transitioned by the year 2030 without having big issues. Okay? So let's think about that. This greeny push out there for those electric vehicles, it is not realistic. We are living in an absurd world in the Joe Biden administration. So let's call it what it is, folks. It is a road to nowhere. So, um, unless of course they build more charging stations. <laughs> well, I, well, and, and as long as everybody allows, you know, people to go with their gas-powered vehicles and hold spots, you know, when you get there, so you don't run out of electricity while you're waiting, you're going to be perfectly fine. Now, the good thing about uh, Energy Secretary Granholm says um, she says basically she threw her her staff under the bus and said they should never have done that. That was a mistake. Um, she didn't know that they were doing it, um, which seems a little bit weird. Yeah, that your staff would come up with something without asking you <laughs> yeah, on their own. Yeah, that's, that's what I and mean. Go ahead it's and like, put it into practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe, <laughs> and, maybe it's a real lax office. Who knows? <laughs> and after the first time, don't you think she would say, hey, this is you guys can't be saving spots for me. Um, because if anybody finds out this is going to be real bad, this is supposed to be good PR, not bad PR. And this is the opposite of good PR um, when it comes to this. I, look, I, I've said this before. I don't know. In 10 years from now, we may not have a majority of people using, you know, internal combustion engines. Yeah. Um, it may be electric. It may be hydrogen. It may be something else. But currently, under the current situation of where we're at right now, it, the infrastructure just isn't there. At one time, I'm sure there weren't enough gas stations. Possibly. But. I wasn't around, so I don't know if people complained about that or not. But eventually we got more of them. Yeah. Um, The one thing you don't see a lot of gas stations, and this is one of the biggest complaints about the infrastructure now, is not just there isn't enough there, but when you show up, you know, a a large majority of them just aren't working. Oh, really? So, I mean, when I go to... uh, No, not gas. Gas stations work fine. I've never shown up. Personally, in my entire life, where the gas there wasn't gas. Well, you mean the charging working. stations aren't. Working. Yeah, charging par- charging stations aren't working. Like they show up and you you because you follow along to because there's not mm. uh, a charging station on every corner like there are gas stations right now. So you follow along on the app and it says here's where your next charging station that fits your vehicle. You can show up there. And when they show up, it's like the charging stations aren't working. Interesting. So now they have to find someplace else. Yes, they're going to have to work on that too. Yeah. KBY News Time is eight thirteen. We'll uh, take a break. Coming up when we come back, we've got our fifty dollar gift certificate to uh, give away once again to Quinn's Restaurant. You can win that with a Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. It's on the way next, right after Bronco Sports today. This is Bronco Monday. The ball is caught for a Bronco touchdown. We'll discuss the most recent Boise State game and discuss the upcoming schedule. Now here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Bob Beeler, on your flagship for Bronco football. News Talk, KBOI. All right, for the first time this year, Bob Beeler joins us for a Monday, and we are talking about a win. Yeah, great. I think, you know, early in the season, you kind of have to look at, you know, who you've played, and you know, we've got San Diego State this week, and they're 2-2, two and two, and their two losses are to a pair of top 25 teams, UCLA and Oregon State, and 
for Boise State, uh, Washington, a top 10 team, and UCF, pretty good team as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times records can be deceiving. Uh, I thought, I thought Boise State played very well against North Dakota. I think my biggest takeaway was I had watched both North Dakota games, really impressed with their quarterback, really thought they had a great passing scheme. And Boise State got after him, something we hadn't seen in the first two games. You know, six sacks, pass rush. Yeah. And I left the stadium thinking, wow, we've improved a lot. And it made a big difference because, uh, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of time to throw. And then they had one really good receiver, number one, Belquist, who did well in the first quarter. And really after that, Boise State's defensive backs really kind of shut him down. It's good to see, too, because, I mean, that, and granted, it's an FCS team, mm-hmm. but that FCS team was the number one offensive team in the nation and averaged, what, 545 yards of offense per game and got held to under 200, which, I mean, you, you want to do that, but you're glad to see you're expected to do it, and then you come out and you do do it. They also had the number four defense mm-hmm. in the FCS. So, you know, this is it's, it's a decent team. Yeah, and I think you'll probably find them in the FCS playoffs. Their league is the SEC of of FCS, the the, the uh, Missouri Valley with mm-hmm. the North Dakota State and South Dakota State. Uh, so I, you know they're, they're we're not beating Alabama or Notre Dame, but it was a good win. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you know heading into league play, I think the other thing, just the the feel. You've worked hard, you've practiced, and now you taste something at the end of the game, and that's a victory. I think it's going to help. Uh, with the, with San Diego State, I think another thing that's going to help guys is that you know the game was early. It was a 10 a.m. game, and you did not have to travel. Now you're going to have to go on the road for a game on Friday. San Diego State's going to have the same turnaround. They they played the time slot after us, and we'll be heading uh, had to head home after the game. So it's going to be pretty even as far as the short turnaround for the yeah. game on Friday. But you know, Green looked better. Uh, you know, nice run for him on that touchdown. They got Boise State ahead. Uh, Genty, you know, he dropped the ball a couple times. That's something he hadn't done. We had thought maybe he had never fumbled, and then uh, a listener texted me and reminded me that uh, it was in the first game against Oregon State. Seems like such a long time yeah. ago last year but he, he's, that he had he's fumbled. But he has been sure-handed, you know, and then and, all of a sudden it's yeah. like, what's going on? But it's it nice to see what Eric McAllister did. I, I think he may be emerging as the is the top threat as far as the That was what I was going to ask you. Did Boise State finally find a go-to receiver that they can go, we're going to throw a 50-50 ball, and we expect you to come mm-hmm. down with it? And, and I think also a guy that you expect that can stretch the field a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think they really miss Latrell Caples. He, he of course, yeah. was declared I, out before yeah. camp. I and totally I thought agree. he was the best receiver they had yeah. last year. So he's somebody that I think kind of gets forgotten a little bit. And, you know, again, if – you know, if, if McAllister stretches the field, maybe then that'll allow some other guys underneath to get open. But. Even, uh, and, and again, he's a true freshman, uh, Prince Strawn had a, had a decent game this, mm-hmm. this game. If you can start working those two guys in and, and can count on consistent catches um, that we haven't seen in the first two games, uh, that would help out immensely when it comes to the passing game because you got so many drops over the first two games. One key, definitely, too. If you're going to make a lot of turnovers, just be sure you make the other team do it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was that one stretch where I'm I'm thinking, we're getting a fumble at like the 15-yard line, Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, wow, this is great. We're going to be able to get an easy touchdown from here, and then there's a fumble, and they get it right back, (laughs) and then I think it went the other way at at one point as well. I, I thought the turnover on the force fumble by... 
Notriani and the, and the recovery by Simpson, and he was able to run it back into um, North Dakota territory that ended up getting Boise State a touchdown in the last you know 28 seconds mm-hmm. of the half. I thought that was huge because it took a 14 to six game that you know was tight mm-hmm. and made it 21 to six at the half. I I mm-hmm. thought maybe that was the play of the game for me was the was the strip sack and the advancement into yeah. the, into the corner. Um, it, it's it's good to see too. Um, offensive line and defensive line, even the first two games, you, you have to say that they have played well to this point so far and i know there's been some offensive uh, changes because of injuries on the mm-hmm. offensive front um but overall in the first 3 games you can point to those two um lines and saying all right these guys have done a good job over the first couple of uh, first 3 games well i think i think they did a, the defensive line did a good job against the run in the in the first game or so i, I thought last week they took a made this past week they took a major step in in pass rush with the six sacks but i think the line's done the offensive line's done a nice job i mean all season, you've given up four sacks. Mm-hmm. That's in three games. So that's just maybe one a game, a little more than one a game. And then, you know, they, as you say, they've had some guys that have moved around. They haven't had Mason Randolph all year, and he was expected to be a starter. And then in the last game, Ben Dooley didn't go, and uh, they moved Ethan Card in. He's a transfer from Texas Tech. So, you know, I, I think the offensive line has done a pretty nice job. And we'll, and we'll see how they do against San Diego State. This is a key game because, obviously, it's the first conference game of the season, but uh, their defense is kind of funky, and sometimes it's tough to block. They did a great job blocking him last year, though, when Boise State really got after him on the ground. Um, DJ Schramm didn't play uh, this game. So another injury, um, you got Holani that was out again, uh, DJ Schramm that was out. Um, good thing is, I guess the good news is, those are two places that we do have some depth this it does year, look thank like goodness. It. And I'll tell you what, you look at sophomore Simpson and Notriani, I'm really encouraged about the linebacker play. I mean, you you want Shram back too, because now all of a sudden you got three guys rotating for two spots. Uh, I might go with linebacker on the defensive side of the field as my position that I would say has played the best for Boise State on the defensive side of the ball. You're going to have to see improvements from Boise State just based on uh, what has happened in the first few weeks with the other teams in the Mountain West, uh, you and I were we were talking mm-hmm. off air about Wyoming. They've already beat Texas Tech, and they took Texas ten ten tie into the fourth quarter. They ended up getting beat pretty handily on the scoreboard, but you can't say it was handily because it was ten to ten in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and they and they have a really good defense. I didn't think their offense would be very good, and that's probably what happened. In the end, they just couldn't sustain enough offensively. Colorado State gave Colorado all they want, and watching the game, you could probably make the case that CSU should have won the game mm-hmm. over Colorado. Um, you know, I, I think there are some teams that are pretty good. I think Air Force is really good. Yeah, they might, they, they might be the best team. Thrashed right Utah State. So. so, all right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from the coaches. It is Bronco Monday. Bob Beeler with us once again, talking about the latest win over North Dakota. More on the way. Now back to Bronco Monday on your flagship for Bronco football. News Talk, KBOI. 845, Bob Beeler with us once again. It is Bronco Monday talking about a win on Bronco Monday against North Dakota. Solid win, 42-18 to 18 in favor of Boise State. Got after him, and after the game, we had a chance to visit with Coach Avalos. And he gave us his impressions of what he thought of his team in the game against North Dakota. You know what I was, uh, well, number one, how we finished. We obviously, we didn't come out and start the second half, uh, very strong. Um, we turned the ball over and, uh, but love the way the team finished in the fourth quarter. 
um, and, and really pulled away. Uh, did some good things, you know, in terms of the vertical pass game. Uh, we were able to get down the field on the outside to a couple of the wide receivers that, uh, you know, we, we got to be able to do that more consistently. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, one of the biggest things is that we didn't obviously like was the ball security. You got to do a much better job taking care of the ball. And we emphasize that a lot. We got to be way more intentional. We'll, we'll make sure as coaches that we get that squared away. And again, Boise State's big part of the game, I thought, was handling the uh, quarterback. They kept him in the pocket. They harassed him. They came up with six sacks, and Coach was pleased with the group's rushing ability. Yeah, so we've got to be able to change pictures, whether you know it's this week or any week. We've got to be able to change pictures um, you know, on the offensive front and be, be able to bring uh, multiple guys at different times. And so I felt like we did a good job uh, creating a plan to get that done this week. Um, and, and also, um, you know, combining that with how we're going to leverage formations and, and, and handle the coverage, uh, you know, these guys, they got some wide receivers that have been successful against FBS schools, obviously FCS schools. So there's, there's obviously that element, too, of making sure that we got certain guys leveraged and taking care of the coverage part of it. And when you look at uh, San Diego State coming up this week, their passing game, probably not the strength of their team, usually is not. We'll see if Boise State can get after this uh, group again up front. And then Eric McAllister on the offensive side of the ball was uh, the breakout player, led with six catches, had a career-high 143 yards and got into the end zone twice on two longer passes. Coach had this to say. we got to be able to use uh, the width and the vertical stretch of the field. Um, he's a guy that's proven that he can be able to do that, and so that's going to continue to be an emphasis as well as uh, other guys you know, in that wide receiver core and create matchups and then being able to go execute. I mean, that's the bottom line. Um, you know, when we call those plays, we got to be able to execute. We've got we got to be able to connect and get the ball down the field. Um, so that's going to continue to be a high priority for us, you know, within our offense. And again, McAllister uh, with a very nice game for Boise State on the season. Now McAllister with 15 catches uh, that leads as far as receivers go. Boise State's also gotten good mileage out of Ashton Genty uh, with the 14 catches on the season. His have been pretty much where you throw the ball out in the flat. Get him out in the open field and let him do the rest. I I feel bad, even though it ended up being a better situation. I I feel bad for Jonah Dalmas because he had another what was it fifty four yard <laughs> field goal. Fifty five. I'm sorry, fifty five <laughs> would have been back to back games with fifty plus field goals uh, right down the middle. Easily made it and then uh, ended up taking it off the board because well, of roughing roughing the kicker. And it, and it's funny. The old axiom in football is you yeah. never take points off the board. And yet they do it all the time now. Well, and I thought the way the feel was in that game, I thought it was the right move. And it ended up being a, being yeah. a touchdown for Boise State. Now, Jay Norvell at Colorado State probably should have not taken points off the board. He in the Colorado game uh, had a field goal, made it. Same thing, roughing the kicker. They took points off the board and then ended up turning it over a couple of plays mm-hmm. later. So instead of getting three, which might have been helpful down at the end, zero on that particular drive. So you got to be careful. You kind of have they, to have a feel of where the game is. Do you really need three? They probably should have gone for two at, at one point also. I thought they should have, too. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple things in that, that game with Colorado yeah. State that kind of were head scratchers. But, um, but, yeah, no, I thought it was the right call. Uh, Jonah has obviously really improved his leg strength. I mean, the 55-yarder, I mean, they, they didn't hesitate. They put him out there and... It was clean through. It wasn't one of those that was, you know, like, oh, you know, keep going, keep yeah. going kind of. Yeah, I, and once again, and we've talked about this before, 
Um, you know, in all the years that I've watched Boise State try and run out a kicker, you know, if it was beyond 35 yards, they're like very iffy. And it's like, uh, instead, you know, it, you're trying to make a decision whether to punt it, whether to kick the field goal or to go for it. And, and most of the times in the past, they would go for it because it's too short to kick, uh, you know, and, and they couldn't count on their field goal. This Having a field goal kicker like this is such a weapon at this level. Yeah, I think the one guy that I, I always remembered as having a really strong leg was Tyler Rossa. I, I think, you know, I, I would go back a little further, more or less in the Peterson era. It mm-hmm. seemed like we didn't. But but under Harson we had Rossa, and I, I think I thought he was, you know, almost – I think Dalmas probably maybe a little more consistent, but – I, I, I was, was, was going to say, uh, Rouse, they probably have the same, same leg length or strength, but, um, Domus just seems to have such great accuracy, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hope I'm not jinxing him, but. We had, a, <laughs> we had a guy back in the 80s named Roberto Moran, and he was more accurate from outside 50 than he was from inside <laughs> 50. He's the guy that, when we look at the record book, when they said that Domus the week before had tied the school record with a 56 yarder, it's like, okay. So who has the who had the record originally? And that was it the was name. Moran. It was in like the mid eighties. I want to say it was like eighty five, eighty six, something yeah, like that. In there. Yeah, so, yeah. Sometimes guys are better. I don't know whether it's the angle. Sometimes, the, and in those days, the goalposts remember were wider. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, as you got closer, when the goalposts were wider, your angle was worse. So I do think sometimes. Not to say that you'd want to kick it from 56, but sometimes maybe a 40-yarder might be a little easier than a 30-yarder, right. depending on where the ball is on the field. I, I do I do want to see. I don't think we're, uh, you know, the chances of us seeing it, because it's going to have to come, you know, right at the end of the game or the coming up right at halftime. But I'd like to see if he can make a 60-yarder, because it sure looks like his kicks mm-hmm. could could be beyond 60 yards. It would just be so cool to see, especially at a college-level game like I, that. I would think that where you would see that, Mike, is like you say, at the end of the half where you know, you're looking at it and you're saying, all right, let's say from 60, you think that's got a better chance of making it or, or does the Hail Mary yeah. have a better chance to make it? And I think with him, I think you probably would think, you know, trot him out there from 60 and see yeah. what you can do. And the same thing at the end of the game. I, I think that, you know, that that's probably when you do it. Because remember, if you miss the kick, like the 56-yarder yeah. you took the week before – was in the middle of the game. It wasn't at the end of the half. And if you miss the kick, the other team gets the ball right there, at the line man. of scrimmage. So you're giving them the ball probably at the 40-yard line or, bar, or darn close. We'll take a break. It is Bronco Monday. When we come back, we'll uh, look ahead to the game coming up this week and everything else happening this week. We'll even talk a little bit about uh, the Mountain West and looking forward to that. KBY News Time is 8.52. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 905-208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless as we were going to uh, break. Told you uh, it was time to try and do your winning for our Treasure Valley Subaru play of the game. And once again, we have a $50 gift certificate we are giving away to Quinn's Restaurant and Lounge uh, this week as our winner. And uh, Bruce, you're going to get first crack at our question today. Um, Who or what was the play of the game from the BSU Nevada game? Uh, When Marco Nortrani Tripped the ball and fumbled, sacked, and picked up by Gibson. All right, let's let, let's find out if that was the play of the game. Schuster gets the snap. 
being chased. He's going to scramble up the middle. Stays behind the line. The ball is knocked out of his hands. It's going to get scooped up at the 35-yard line. Simpson has it, and he gets it into North Dakota territory at the 48-yard line. What a play by the Boise State defense. That denies North Dakota points. And Boise State now has a chance to score with 132 left in the half. There you go. You got it right, Bruce. Congratulations. $50 gift certificate for you. Um, I think we should be, um, because we're going to be talking about this guy a lot. He's only a sophomore. Uh, He has had a great start to the season. The official last name pronunciation, according (laughs) to the player himself, is Notriani. That's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, Notriani. (laughs) And and I'm giving that for everybody because originally everybody was calling him, uh, I think, Notarani. Even even in the first game uh, they played against Washington on the national broadcast, they were announcing it as uh, Notrani. Notrani? Notarani. Notarani. Um, It's Notriani. Yeah, it's Notriani, and that comes from the player himself. So now we all know. Bruce, Bruce, congratulations. Hold on the line. We'll get some information from you. Um, Once again, we do the play of the game, Treasure Valley Subaru play of the game, every Monday morning after a game. We'll be doing it again this week. Um, It's probably not going to be as easy for most of us to be listening in to the post game this week because the game is not at 10 o'clock in the morning which meant that the play of the game happened, what, sometime around 2 in the afternoon? Just about the opposite. Yeah. Um, Kickoff coming up, uh, once again, 8.30 this coming Friday. So you'll be listening probably past midnight to hear that play of the game. But once again, if you do, we will be giving away another $50 gift certificate coming up next Monday for our play of the game. All right, phone lines are open once again. Uh, you can also email us, chris at kboi.com and mike at kboi.com. We have got some emails in on the subject we were talking about a little bit earlier this morning, um, how Secretary of uh, Energy Granholm is uh, receiving quite a bit of criticism because uh, they did a PR tour with her electric vehicle to show how great the electric vehicle uh, worked last week. Um, however, it, was it less than great. It, it worked great um, as long as she had apparently some of her staffers going ahead and saving a place in line so that she didn't have to wait to charge her electric vehicle. As a matter of fact, at one of the stops, uh, police were called because her staffers were sitting there at the charger. And people were trying to charge their vehicles yeah. waiting. And they go, why are you sitting here? It's like, we're saving a spot. And it's like, you can't She'll be that. here any second. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so we've got some emails in on this. Don writes in, Mike, you are so ignorant about electric vehicles. You just need to find an outlet to charge them up. You make it seem like it's an impossible task to charge them. I can't find, or I can find an outlet almost anywhere to charge my stuff up. And it would be no different with an electric car. Get your facts right, mister. It would be different with an electric car. You can find an outlet uh, to charge your electric car. However, if you're just going to charge it at uh, an outlet, first of all, you have to have permission from that business. You can't just go to a business and plug into their electric, because they're paying for that electric. Mm -hmm. Electricity. Yes. You're stealing from that business. So don't give me the crap where I can just charge well, anywhere and, I want because you can't. And if it's not an official charging station, doesn't it take considerably longer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're charging uh, through a 110 outlet, you're, you're going to take a long time to charge up. But th- you can't just charge wherever you want. You have to go to an actual charging station. Um, get your facts right, mister. 
All right, so there's facts that I hopefully helped you out. Um, Mark writes in, back when we were transitioning from horses, everybody said gas cars would never work because um, where was the gas? There was hay everywhere. I wonder what happened. It doesn't take a lot to wonder what happened. because I posed that same question. Yeah, they became more and more efficient. John says, when talking about electric cars, you two sound like the folks who ridiculed those damn motor-driven autos that started to be built back in the late 1890s. Why, they would never take the place of horses. By the way, electric car charges do work, and more and more improvements and numbers of them are flooding the country. Keep your buggy whips, boys. That's Joe Fudge actually said that. Yeah, and and Joe Fudge, um, once again, I will tell you the same thing that I've said numerous times about people trying to use this horse and buggy argument. Mm -hmm. Nobody forced people to give up their horse and buggies. That's true. The The government didn't say, hey, it's time to get a car. Yeah. Uh, no, the government did not give hundreds of millions of dollars um, to the gas-powered industry making cars to get them to make cars. They didn't say uh, in some states, as we have now, that you will not be able to buy a horse beginning in such and such a year. Right. You can still buy horses to this very day. So nobody tried to stop them. By the way, according to Bloomberg, one in five EV drivers in the U.S. have been unable to charge their vehicle at a public station due to chargers or pay stations not working. So, you know, you have people saying, hey, as Don did, you know, there's no problem whatsoever. If you have have one in five people saying that they couldn't charge their car because the charger wasn't working, that's a problem. We still have kinks uh, that need to be worked out. And that, and that's all I'm saying. And they will be. Yeah, that's that's all I'm saying is we're not at the point where you can force people to make them drive vehicles. Did you see where they uh, are actually setting records for fastest zero to sixty using electric cars? Electric cars are very quick. Even the the Teslas. Um, the, just the normal Teslas mm-hmm. over the, that you were able to buy over the past, what, five, five years or so go from zero to 60 in under four seconds. That's fast. I mean, you're talking if, yeah, I mean, if, if you put that on a quarter mile there, I mean, they're going to do that in you, under if you a, do it right, 10 you, seconds. You might have to charge up every half hour. <laughs> it, the, the, the problems that you're still running in are, you know, like I, I gave the friend of mine who has uh, a brand new Ford electric vehicle, the yeah. Ford Lightning. It was a ninety-five thousand. It's a beautiful pickup truck. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. I, you know, I, I, I saw it. And we were talking about it. And I asked how he loved it. He said he absolutely loves it. He goes, and it's another vehicle that is super fast. It's a fabulous conversation yeah. piece. And I asked, I go, so what is it like to go, you know, like travel out of town with it? He goes, I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I go, why wouldn't you do that? And he goes, because yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, find a charger um, to be able to do it. And I have a another, my uh, ex-wife's husband uh, runs a couple of um, auto dealerships up in the Seattle area. And he just had to take one uh, electric Ford vehicle, the Ford Lightning, back um, because the person bought it because they wanted to tow their boat. 
to their cabin, and they owned a cabin that's like a hundred miles away from a charger. From yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> there's no chargers in between uh, where he lives in Seattle to his cabin, mm. and his boat. It's only a hundred miles. His pickup won't make it while it's towing a boat. It only goes about ninety miles, so he comes up ten miles short. He should figure out a way to have the boat tow the pickup for part of the trip. <laughs> well, I don't understand the problem. All you have to do is, you know, if you get within 10 miles, walk the 10 miles, get yourself, um, you know, uh, a, a bucket full so, of electricity and bring it back and put it in your pickup so truck. So many people overlook the simple solution, don't they? <laughs> and I get it. Those those are examples, you know, uh, I'm, I was going to say the extreme, but if your vehicle can't tow a boat for 100 miles... That's a problem without needing it. Without needing without needing a charge. A re, that that a re, is a, a refill. Yeah, and he did he did take the vehicle back because he's probably not going to have any problem reselling it again because we're, once we're, again there are millions yeah, of dollars being paid and, and to again, people who buy electric vehicles. And again, we're not anti technology. We just know that there are bugs that have yet to be worked out. That's that's it. And once again, I'll, I'll say it again. If this was such a great deal. You wouldn't have to pay a hundred million dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to the car industry to get them to make the vehicles, and you wouldn't pay, have to pay hundreds of million dollars in tax credits to get people to buy the vehicles because people would be pounding down your door. If this was such a great deal, everybody would be having. I mm-hmm. would be one. I would be. I've got to have this thing. It can save me this much money, and I don't have to fill up with gas. I, if it was such a great deal. You wouldn't have to pay anybody to do it. I still, I think back to the first time I was on the internet, and it was so slow, and I was thinking, you know, this, this will never be convenient, <laughs> and it it got better. The, th- the thing is, even when the internet is internet was as slow as it was, and I use this in talking about this in prepping for a radio show, mm-hmm. because we would get prep materials that had to be mailed to us, mm-hmm. and we would have to wait days to get it. Now you could get it. You know, even though it took you emailed, yeah, uh, e- emailed to us. Even though it took you, if you were going to download something on on the internet, it might take you five, ten right. minutes waiting for it to download. It was still faster than waiting well, the three days to were, to get it in the mail. Doing right? music radio, both of us, you know, did. Mm-hmm. We can remember when the radio guys used to show up at uh, our station with brand new records. And shoot, now they just email, email you the song. Every, yeah, email you the song. KBY News Time is 916. Phone lines are open, 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Uh, wireless. If you are online ringing right now, no, stay right where you're at. I promise we'll get to you next. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. Reasonably productive, the translation to that is they aren't anywhere near a deal. They they, they are talking, but it is clear that both sides are digging in. Uh, I think the the management of these companies wants to prove a point, send a message to workers. You can't just walk out and expect us to cave. So they've got an incentive to go for a while. Plus, they aren't anywhere near where the UAW wants them to be on pay and benefits. Day four, um, and as you heard there, nowhere clear, close on a deal between the big three automakers. I did find it, it, it last week, um, part of the reason that they're pushing this so hard is because there was a large amount of profit made by the big three automakers, they said, over the last five years. And they said that they're not happy with how much the CEOs are making yeah. as compared to the regular the- rank and file. The, the executives recently got about a forty percent raise, or their somehow their pay went up forty percent. 
Some of them went up even more than that. Yeah. Um, however, about 80% of their pay is based on how well the company does. If the company does well, they get a lot more money. If the company doesn't do well, they oh, I think the, they work, don't the workers would like that, too. Yeah. Um, I, I did... I did look and say, you know, what would happen if all, the, all three CEOs came in and said, look, all right, fine, we'll take a $20 million cut in our pay, and we will give that to all the auto workers in lieu of what they're asking for for a raise. And so that would be $60 million that would be cut up between 150,000 auto workers and that would be about $400 each. Yeah, that's that's yeah. So it's like okay, I get your point. It's not, you see it, how much money just, that's going up, but it's not right, a lot of not, money to be spread among But it's not just the CEO everybody. pay. It's 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 the overall profit in general. Yeah. Um so I don't know where this is going to end because somebody is going to have to blink and as of so far um everything that the uh big 3 have offered, the uh, I think they're up to about 20 one to twenty five percent, as far as a pay raise, uh, and they said that nope, we want our forty percent, and we want it back to thirty two hours a week. They do want to keep making cars, so they will keep talking. Yeah, uh, Brian, you're not living in Pocatello. You're on your way to Pocatello this morning. Uh, are you on the way to Pocatello in an electric vehicle? I am not. There's no way that I ever would. Uh, part of the Part of my dilemma with this whole electric car issue, uh, the whole infrastructure, the charging stations, the pay for power to charge these machines, it's all nonsense. Toyota had technology when the Priuses first came out where it was electric over gas to where if the vehicle was rolling, it had a generator system that powered the battery. So all of these smart guys, why are they not understanding that if we just have generator systems, we don't need charging stations, we don't need plug-ins, they would charge as they roll? I think you'd have to be willing to not get rid of gas altogether, you know, just reduce how much gas we use, which I think most hybrid drivers have. You and uh, Chris and I, we were talking off air this morning about this, um, and... I mean, hybrid seems to be, you know, the way to go. Even if you just had uh, enough gas in your hybrid to where when the electricity runs out, you're not stranded somewhere that your your vehicle can still travel another hundred plus miles uh, on your, you know, your internal combustion engine. If your electricity runs out, I think you would see a lot more people be willing to say, you know what? I'd be willing to get that, but I think there's so many people that are afraid to be stranded in the middle of nowhere or even stranded in the middle of somewhere with your vehicle out of gas and a charger not available or not working or whatever. That That's what scares, I think, people more uh, than anything from buying a, an electric vehicle. Oh, absolutely. It, it's terrifying. And, and, I, and I think it all boils down to just money because... It wouldn't be, you can have a rolling generator system in those Teslas that you, you would never have to charge it unless the battery itself completely failed mm-hmm. and you had to get a new battery system. Thank you for the call, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, I like I like the, the hybrid system that, you know, when... When the gas is working, when, when the engine is is working and it's being and the car is being powered by gas, 
it's generating electricity through the you know through the wheels and everything and then after a while it just switches over and runs on electricity yeah and that's you can go on long distance trips very easily it's just strange that those are not being pushed anywhere close to what you know full electric vehicles are being pushed you know what i mean it, it, i mean they're easy, available it, to it would purchase. be much easier for people to transition yeah and like i said i think the biggest fear of most people in buying an electric vehicle is being stranded somewhere or having to sit there and take you know 45 minutes or an hour to charge your vehicle on on your yeah. trip or in some cases even even longer than that 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 we've heard but if there's you know kind of a transition as you say uh maybe people would be more willing to put their money out now it's you know they're not cheap vehicles so. um Another uh, text message in, no name on this, says, uh, Good morning, guys. Thanks for all you do. I just feel electric cars was a way to go. Our government wouldn't have to try and give us all these incentives to buy one if people really saw how these batteries were made and where uh, they were made and what it did. People who had to dig out these pits to create these batteries, I think we would have a different story on what we would want in our energy. Very possibly. Yeah. Um, James writes in, Fossil fuels... Coal, oil, and gas are by far the largest contributor to global climate change, counting for over 75% of global greenhouse gas emissions and nearly 90% of all carbon dioxide emissions. Our air now has double the previous levels of CO2 prior to the Industrial Revolution. Breathe easy, though. Contrary to our stagnant thinking, electric vehicles are arriving big time. I call BS wrote in to say no one is forcing you either. The government is giving dollars left and right, but you personally don't have to buy one. Joe isn't holding your donut hostage until you buy one. 2023, uh, less than 8% uh, EVs are being sold. You sound like they're the only thing available at the corner lot. Uh, Bush, too, gave $19 billion plus to car companies in 2008. They were such a great deal. Why did they need to be bailed out? It's not EV versus oil. Giving EVs dollars is just another way to hold up these uh, companies that are too big to fail. Big business wins again. If we are not being forced to purchase electric vehicles, why in 2030 in California will you not be allowed to buy an internal combustion vehicle? We didn't say you were being forced, but eventually you will be in by 23 that's seven years from now you won't be able to buy a new internal combustion engine in california same for the state of washington you won't be able to buy a new so when you say you're not being forced yeah you're better make plans right now because you won't be able to purchase them by law the government will force you to buy an electric vehicle in seven years in those two states at least those two states i don't know about any others but those are two closest to us John says they already have a generator for EV cars. It's called Mr. Fusion. I've seen people put um, gas generators in their cars and drive them along. (laughs) Rico has what I think is a good question. What happens when cheap fossil fuels are eliminated and then the climate still doesn't change? Will we be able to go back? I suppose if we still have any fossil fuels (laughs) left, we will. I don't know. There's some people that say we're going to run out of the stuff to make uh, lithium-ion batteries uh, before we run out of fossil fuels. Because, I mean, they are called rare earth minerals for a reason because they're pretty rare. 
I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. Everything is finite, right? You're, I mean, it's not like um, you're not going to run out of everything eventually because there's, there's not an unlimited supply of either the materials to make the batteries and there's not an unlimited supply yeah. of oil. And that'll be true forever. Yeah, of everything. John says, uh, regarding electric cars, I used to drive an EV, but doing full cost of ownership, including time waiting for a charge. But the problem is any trip over 250 miles will take an extra three hours for every 200 more miles. So my realization was the electric car is a city car in nice 60-degree weather. Anything outside of that EV tech is not mature enough. Technology may be in time. But I'm back to an ICE vehicle and uh, chalk it up to internal combustion engine, by the way, ICE, and chalk it up to been there, done that. I will not look at an EV till a 90% uh, charge is 15 minutes. Okay. It's, it's, it's good to have a standard. Yeah. I and I, it, the temperature doesn't have to be 60 degrees. Um, now, granted, it, it has shown... That just has to be under w- seventy. But no, but I mean, you can you can charge in warmer weather. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's there hasn't been some large studies on temp, you know places where weather is over a hundred degrees as of yet. There have been studies in places where the temperature gets cold in the wintertime, like Alaska. Or if you want to use it, you know, in Colorado, then you know the life of your battery doesn't last near as long when it's yeah. you know freezing outside. Um, but it, I mean, the temperature doesn't have to be sixty degrees for people to use electric vehicles mark and boise listening on 93.1 fm good morning hi how's it going guys good hey uh i own a tesla and i've been listening to some of the comments by people about range anxiety uh a couple of things to keep in mind one electricity is everywhere and as evs become more popular you're going to be able to charge at more places and it'll be more like a gas station now do you ever worry about not being able to find a gas station, no, in an ice vehicle, no. We've and we've that's what, and that's what we've said right now. It's like you, you don't worry about charging or filling up at your gas station or not having any of the pumps working like you do with electric vehicles right now. Right, and and the uh, one of the things that Teslas have now in the early days of electric vehicles is they will plan your trip for you and tell you when you need to charge, hmm. and when. And when they compute that, they compensate for temperature. They compensate for wind speed. They compensate for elevation changes. And they're constantly monitoring you on your trip. They will even tell you, hey, it looks like I didn't compute this quite right. You're going to need to slow down to below 70 miles an hour to make it to your next station. The one thing I will say about electric vehicles that is annoying, excuse me, is annoying it does take about 30% longer on long trips. Stopping to charge, you will be 30% longer than in an ICE vehicle. So how, how, long, how long does it take you to charge? Like you're on a vehicle, you, you decide to go from here to Oregon, and you have to charge halfway there. How long do you have to pull over and charge um, to get back to a full charge? You never get back to a full charge. The system is set up so it charges you to the point where you have enough charge to get to your next charging station. That makes it faster. The, the algorithm is optimized to reduce the amount of time it takes you to get there. So generally, it's between 10 minutes and 20 minutes when you stop. 
That's interesting. I didn't see that, that you learn something new every day. I didn't know that it. Um, you charge it and not until it gets full or uh, just enough to get to the next charging station is what it does. That is correct. But Interesting. anyway, it's, it's like anything new. People don't like it. They're afraid of it. It will take longer to get places, but I, I really like my, my vehicle. The one thing I really like about it that few people mention is I'm not subjected to the whims of the, of the oil industry. Yeah, electricity is pretty much at a constant price, and you don't have to feel like oh, there's an embargo or ah, oh, there's a war somewhere, and suddenly gas. You don't. Goes you don't see. Right. You don't see electric prices go up one dollar. You know, per a right. watt of electricity, like you do gasoline for a gallon uh, over a few months' time. Exactly. Anyway, just my thoughts. Thanks for taking my call. No, appreciate it. Love hearing from people who actually own an electric vehicle. Um, One more quick one here. Jim from Eagle says, one of my coworkers owns an EV. He lives in Idaho City. His car loses 30% of its power when it's below freezing. Interesting. And I told you, I had grilled the guy in Las Vegas when I was there for the uh, NCAA basketball um, tournament and I had taken uh, uh, Uber that was an EV and, yeah. and I had grilled him. I go, how do you like this? And he goes, well, it's a new car. I've, I've only had it a few months. And he goes, so far, he goes, it's fantastic. I love it. Um, I it, it's much cheaper than than buying gas. And I go, what's it like charging? And he goes, well, at the end of every day, I have to go to a charger and I just sit there for an hour and wait for it to fill up. And I go, it takes you an hour. And he goes, yeah, I just sit there and do my paperwork or read a book, waiting for it to charge. But I have to do that, you know, once a day from the amount that he does. But he he loved it. He had he had a Tesla also. And uh, John says they do not work well in saltwater storm surges. <laughs> and he says mountain folks rule. <laughs> yeah, they, they, a few fires were caused uh, in the hurricane because they uh, had seen a storm surge with that salt water. We'll take a break. Uh, one more segment on the way. Uh, Kevin, waiting on the line. Uh, stay right where you're at. I promise we'll get to you coming up after this. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 952, Patrick from Nampa writes in, has anyone thought about the extra curb weight of these vehicles? How much more maintenance is going to have to be done to the roads? The most... Uh, popular truck on the road, F-150 Ford. The heaviest electric F-150 is 1,500 pounds heavier than the heaviest gas N-150. More petroleum products to repair roads. Um, the other thing that people have brought up, too, is parking garages are only uh, rated to allow a certain amount of weight, which you don't want a parking garage collapsing. And if you have all electric vehicles uh, eventually, you know, in that parking garage, it's not going to be able to handle the weight of a lot of these parking garages that were not made for the weight of electric vehicles going forward. We're just so they have to revamp everything. Yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, because they're not going to rebuild the parking garages. They'll just say, "All right, um, every other spot can be taken up." Kevin in Caldwell, thanks for being patient. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning to you. Um. I have never had an electric car. I'd love to have one. I think they're a good idea in many ways. One, because of the mechanics aspect. You know, these 
Um, gasoline cars, there's so many things, so many working parts that can go wrong, and electric is so easy. I mean, it would be a lot of benefit to it. My concern, however, though, is those batteries. If I really cared about the environment, I probably would be more a gas person than an electric person in the end because you still have to generate the energy. And uh, finally, my biggest concern is, so China has cornered the market on everything for these batteries and a lot of the production in this stuff, and they do so for business reasons. But I was watching a show on China and they have a humongous infrastructure of new freeways, and they are building an enormous system of fueling stations that are not active yet, and those fueling stations are hydrogen. So it leads me to believe there's something going on with hydrogen that we don't know about, and they're selling us the expensive electric while they're developing uh, a whole new system of, of automobile, and maybe we ought to look into that. Yeah, we've had people, you know, in the past when we've talked about this before, that they think hydrogen cars would be a a better thing to use than electric vehicles. I don't know if that's true. I know absolutely nothing about uh, hydrogen vehicles. I know that you can purchase them already. Um, There are a couple manufacturers that that make hydrogen vehicles. There are a bunch of public companies that uh, are designed just to work on this. And so people are investing in it. Yeah. Thank you for the call. Uh, That's about all the uh, time we uh, have for today. Thank you for all the phone calls, all the emails. Uh, We'll be on a 20-hour break. We'll be back to do this whole shinding uh, again tomorrow. Don't forget, coming up tomorrow, it is Bronco Tuesday. We'll have another day getting you a chance to get those Quinn's gift certificates. It's all tomorrow. Have yourself a great day. Talk to you then.